A quick advisory note here before we begin this episode of What Am I Rolling? This episode's one-shot, The Beast, does contain mature content and is therefore unsuitable for anyone under the age of 18. With possible unsettling descriptions of murder, sex, self-harm and bestiality, to name but a few, it is unsuitable listening for children and is definitely not safe for work. You have been warned. Welcome to What Am I Rolling, a twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast, hosted by me, Fiona. This week, I am playing The Beast, a one-player role-playing game by Alexandra Sontoska and Camille Wegshinovich, published by Naked Female Giant. The Beast is an unsettling, erotic game where the player imagines they are having a sexual relationship with an inhuman creature known as the Beast, and write a diary describing their encounters, their fears, and their anxieties. If you want to find out more, the Beast is available to buy on DriveThruRPG. You can find out more about Naked Female Giant's other games on their website. That's nakedfemalegiant.pl. I'll include links to both on the What Am I Rolling website and in this episode's show notes. the beast works. The game is played over the course of 21 days. Each day, the player draws a card from the deck which has an event or question on it. The player then records their thoughts and reactions to that card's prompt in a diary. Each card aims to challenge the player to delve into the darkest reaches of their mind. After the final entry, the player may choose to destroy or hide the diary. And that's it. Due to the unique game mechanics of The Beast and the way this has been recorded as a one-shot, there will of course be major spoilers. If you really, really want to play The Beast, stop this thing now, go and play it, and come back when you're ready. If you're ever ready. And with all that out of the way, let's play The Beast. Okay, so the rule summary for the beast is as follows. Day one, fill out the beast estronaire, which is probably questionnaire, I just can't pronounce it, so beast estronaire. Make a deck, 19 cards followed by the closure card. Day two to 20, pull a card, write your answer or react to the event on the card in the diary. Day 21, draw the closure card and choose one of the options and write your reaction. Hide or burn the diary. Hmm. Okay. And there's nothing else other than that. Day one, I've got to fill out this questionnaire. And it goes as follows. I have had sex with the beast. It's a secret. Select and circle at least one of the options in each paragraph. Okay. Its smell reminds me of meat, wildflowers, feces, oranges, pond, dust, perfume, wet soil, rust, something else and in brackets, what, question mark. Its smell reminds me of... I think it would be something sweet. So it would be either oranges or perfume. It's interesting, because I've got, like, my um, 
oil diffuser going in the background. I've got oranges in there now. So yeah, I'm going to go for oranges. Its smell reminds me of oranges. Next question. It feels rough, silky, slimy, scaly, meaty, hairy. Otherwise, how to touch? Its smell reminds me of oranges. It feels what to the touch? Let's go with scaly. It feels scaly to the touch. I hide it in the bathtub, in the attic, in the forest, under the bed, in the garage, somewhere else. I feel like those are, like, the bathtub, under the bed, in the garage, those are, that's kind of worrying. Like, it's a beast I always think is a big creature, maybe the size of me. I, I find that worrying if it's something smaller. And why would you hide it under the bed? That's... Attic, that seems too classic. I think, well, I don't have an attic. I'm in London, so wouldn't be in the forest anywhere. Uh, uh, the bathtub, other people use it. So it has to be somewhere else. Where would I hide it? You know what? I think I'd hide it. That'd be really dark. I think I'd hide it in, like, I think I'd hide it in the boiler room downstairs, actually. Because no one goes in there. Oh, that's really dark, actually. So I hide it in the boiler maintenance room. I am attracted and aroused by the beast's what? And it doesn't have any options. Hmm. Let's go with... arms. I think there's something about the way that muscles move in the arms and how sort of they can shape and form and it changes for every different creature. So yeah, I, I guess... I'm attracted and aroused by the beast's arms. I am repulsed and disgusted by the beast's what? It will be something like... As bad as it is, it'll be something around the mouth, I think. I think it'll be something like... The snout. Oh, yeah, it'll be a snout. I am repulsed and disgusted by the snout. And then the final question is, I think of the beast as a she, this, he, they, it, z, I don't know. Hmm, so you're thinking about pronouns now for the beast. Let's keep it simple. I don't like the idea that it's an object because that makes me uncomfortable. Let's go with I don't know. This thing, whatever it is, it's, it's not obvious. And we've never had the conversation about pronouns. All right, so, filled out the questionnaire. We'll go from the top. I have had sex with the beast, and it's a secret. Its smell reminds me of oranges. It feels scaly to the touch. I hide it in the boiler maintenance room. I'm attracted and aroused by the beast's arms. I'm repulsed and disgusted by the beast's snout. And I think of the beast as I don't know. I can't actually picture this, this thing yet. I feel like... It feels random, obviously, but we know it's got arms, it's got a snout. Hmm. This orange smell, that's going to be really weird. Well, that's, uh, that's day one, complete. Day two. Let's see what we got. Oh, wow. Okay, so day two, the question is, you broke off a relationship with a person when you started having sex with the beast. Who was that? Uh, 
Who'd I break up with? Why don't we go something sort of, I broke up with Ashley. Ashley was a lovely person, met at work. We'd been seeing each other for about maybe six months. So just starting out really. Um, but I was growing distant. I didn't think, you know, we were going anywhere. I think I'd say I felt comfortable. Like, it was just a nice thing to have, this relationship. It wasn't like a... It was comfortable, yeah. It was It was sort of fine. Nothing changed. It was like... You know how it is when you first start out a relationship, it's really exciting stuff, and then you just get comfortable, and it's safe. And something about this beast, this thing, it changed things, and I saw the world in a different way. And I kind of didn't want Ashley to suffer as a result of it. So yeah, I broke off a relationship with Ashley um, when I started having sex with the beast. is the beast ignores you when you want to have sex and behaves abnormally in general what do you do i guess i try and talk to it <laughs> would i go down to the boiler room and ask what's wrong i don't know i i probably bring it up to um bedroom maybe ask if it wants something to drink or eat no i know what i'd do actually i'd buy like, get a takeaway. I'll get a takeaway, but because I don't know really what it likes, I don't know much about it at all, I think what I do is I get what I think would be the best sort of takeaway. Oh, a really greasy pizza with chips, and a range of different sides, so like potato skins. Give it sort of like a big spread so it has a choice what it wants. And I'd say, I'd, you know, should we talk about stuff? And I like the idea that I'll try and talk, but I'd be really awkward about it, because I don't know what this creature is. Yeah, I think I'd talk for a while about feelings. The beast wouldn't respond, it would just sort of be there. Maybe not even eating quite a lot of the food. Maybe not eating at all, and I would just try and talk out and try and get some sense in it. And I think at the end, I like the idea, actually, even though that the beast has a snout, it doesn't speak it speaks sort of telepathically or it's it puts images in your mind or feelings ah that's it i like that better when the beast is happy you feel an image of like a spring morning or a meadow or something like that and um, if the beast is angry it is more you see you sense like a storm like a thunderstorm going on outside a window rattling the window pane yeah i like that so i like the idea that i put on this spread and i'm talking and i and I just get nothing, nothing at all. And then start talking about how I feel this way about this and I want to know what's wrong and if I can help at all. And then from there I would get a series of flashes of images about why it's feeling as it's feeling. I think that's what had happened, so I'll write that down. Yeah, I like that. So day three, I'd get a takeaway bring the beast up 
to my place, talk for a while, with me mostly doing the talking about feelings and asking what's wrong, and eventually we'd get to some resolution towards the end. But it's made clear that the beast speaks telepathically, and when the beast does speak, it's through sort of feelings and images that are very abstract to the situation. Day four. How do you make the beast orgasm? In what way is this dangerous to your health and life? God, this is so awkward. <laughs> I think I'll answer the second part first because that might be slightly easier. Um, in what way is this dangerous to your health? So I like the idea that the arms of the beast, they wrap around me and they get hotter and hotter and hotter. And as a result, because of the heat, the tops of my arms get burnt, sort of superficially. But I guess I know it, it could be a lot hotter. It could really scar, like it could burn the whole top of my chest. I think as well, I have like sort of paw marks burnt over and over again into the tops of my shoulders. And then back to the first part of the question, that's how do I make the beast orgasm? Um, I don't do anything different. I don't do anything different. I just do what I normally do. I would describe it as standard sex, but it's the difference is that I'm in full control of it. I'm the one that dictates what happens and what the pace is slowly and build it up as if you're building a fire up. Day five. Which part of the beast's body excites you the most? So what did I talk about before? I talked about how it speaks telepathically. So I guess what excites me is when I talk about talking conversations and I have ideas, the beast creates these images telepathically in my head and actually makes them more real in my head. Like, I can see vivid images thanks to the beast. I quite like that. Okay. Oh, no. So which part of the beast's body excites you most? Oh, okay. That's annoying. Um, can't use that then. I guess we go back to the arms then. Um... Even though they're scaly to the touch, there's something about the texture when I caress it. You see a texture and you have to touch it to know what it feels like. I think that's what it is. It feels... It feels... Something about it that makes me want to touch and caress. Ooh, that's a good point. I never said how many arms. I just said the arms. I guess... Let's go wild. Let's say forearms. <laughs> Which part of the beast body excites you the most? I'm going to say arms, because they have a scaly texture, which I'm drawn to to touch. There's something about the arms that make me want to touch and caress it over and over. And the beast has four of them. Day six. Okay, let's see what we got. Oh, three questions today. What does the beast feed on? How does it do it? How challenging is it to find fodder for the beast? 
Hmm. Hmm. It says it's got a snout, so well, I assume I'm, it has a mouth. It has a snout, so I guess it eats through that. Um, what does it feed on, though? I said before in, like, day three that we had a takeaway with pizza and chips and stuff. But I think I said... I've not written it down, but I think I said at the time it doesn't really eat that. So I guess not what I would call human greasy food. But then I don't think it would eat, like, random crap. Like, I don't think it would eat, like, a cardboard box or rubbish or something like that. I mean, it doesn't have to be physical food, right? I'm wondering whether, like, it's something it feeds on... Maybe it's, like, something else, like emotions, perhaps. That could be really tricky, though, to find fodder for it. Like... It feeds on bad emotion. Or it just feeds on emotions, like extremes of emotions. How does it do it? Okay, let's go with that for a bit. So, it feeds on, like, the extreme bits of emotions. So, you are never truly happy when around it, but you are never truly sad. It sort of nips the edge of it. And I guess, because it has a snout, it sort of sniffs it out, and then... Ooh, the beast uses one of its arms to sort of pluck something out of the air around you and just eat it through the snout. So it's like plucked, or it takes bits of these emotions off you, off your aura, and then the beast eats it. How challenging is it to find fodder for the beast? Well, I guess because I've kept it a secret, it's fine, it's just me. Okay. So, the beast feeds on the extremes of emotion. So, it takes the edge of being truly happy and takes the edge of being truly sad. And it only needs them once every two or three days. Uh, how does it do this? So, the beast sort of plucks it out of the air using one of its arms from around my aura. I can't see it, what the beast is plucking. But the beast uses one of their arms, plucks it, and then just scoffs it through the snout probably ungracefully. How challenging is it to find fodder for the beast? I don't think it's that challenging at all, as it's a secret. I give myself to that. As it's a new thing, I don't know the repercussions of it just yet. And I try not to think about it. Okay, day seven. Who has sex with the beast before you? I'm going to say I don't know. When the beast talks to me about past memories, we talked before about the beast using telepathy to convey feelings and images. And I like the idea that when I ask about earlier experiences, the beast sort of telepathically puts out images and there's always someone else there but it's greyed out it's that person's greyed out I can't tell who they are maybe there's two or three maybe there's just one so I don't know but I assume the beast has <laughs> been around a bit but it doesn't matter so who had sex with the beast before you I've written I don't know who or how many but the beast mentions past relationships in the telepathic messages and thoughts the beast conveys when we're discussing past experiences. 
and these people are always greyed out. I can't see any distinctive facial features. Sometimes there's a couple of these people, sometimes there's just one. But ultimately, I don't care. The beast is with me currently, so that's all that matters. Day eight, what we got? Oh, wow. God, these questions are getting like really deep. It feels really invasive, some of these questions. What is the longest amount of time you could bear not to have sex with the beast? That's a really badly worded question, I think. What is the longest amount of time you could bear not to have sex with the beast? I guess it's what's the longest amount of time you could go without having sex with the beast? That's what you mean to say, right? Again, I'll probably have developed a theme now, really, thinking of the idea of emotions. That sort of telepathic connection between us has, like, a, a rush. It's almost, like, addictive. So when the emotion gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then it ends, and that sort of high, the rush of getting up to sort of that pure ecstasy moment is addictive almost touching that sort of pure happiness, that pure sort of state. So, in that case... God, it's just like really philosophical. Like, how long can you go without trying to get that sort of happiness? Because then it's sort of like an addiction. It's like a drug, isn't it? Trying to get happier and happier and happier. And nothing else fills that void compared to sort of your normal, everyday happiness. Oh, I know. It would be something like really mundane, like a long weekend because I had to go away so four days I have to be away for a period of time where I'm not doing very much oh you know it'll be a work conference that's what it'll be a long weekend away at a work conference which I don't need to be at and as a result of that because it's such a boring work conference it's draining and it sort of zaps all the energy I have I feel like I'd be in one of those jobs where I have to constantly be talking to people and constantly sort of socialising and have this emotional side to me that is always on, or, you know, it's that sort of extrovert, introvert type thing, you know. And at the end of certainly day two, I need to recharge my batteries and all I'm thinking about is that connection I have to the beast when we have sex. What is the longest amount of time you could bear not to have sex with the beast? As I said, I think we have this telepathic connection when we have sex. And it gets to the point where I feel what the beast is feeling. And the sort of pure ecstasy, the sort of pure happiness I keep sort of getting glimpses of. And it's very addictive. It means I get to the point where I want to have it as often as I can, this sort of feeling. The longest amount of time I've been away there not to have sex is I had to go on a work weekend away. Uh, it was about four days at a work conference, which I know I didn't need to be at, but it was important, you know, office politics, etc. So you have to put on show. I'm talking to loads of people and being, you know, funny, witty and smart, like I always am. But by the end of day two, I'm feeling very drained and thinking about these experiences I'm having in secret. By the end of the weekend, all I want to do is go home and see the beast.
Day nine. The question is, what does the beast provide you with, apart from sex? What need of yours does it fulfill? Well, the beast fulfills my need to feel complete happiness. This sort of ongoing addiction I seem to have now about feeling complete, pure states of happiness or extreme feeling. I think since being with the beast and experiencing these sort of sudden telepathic uh, emotional connections, it's almost been like a Wizard of Oz moment. Like my life before the beast was sort of black and white or shades of grey at least. And then meeting the beast and having this relationship suddenly... Suddenly, I just think everything is clearer. Everything seems brighter. And it relieves me of my pessimism of the world. And it's something, you know, I want to see something better. I want to see the best in people. And by being with the beast, I think it does that. I think the way the beast does that, actually, thinking about it, I think the beast shares these experiences. When the beast shares these intimate moments with me through the telepathic connection, I see these snippets of the beast's previous life, and I feel like I was there. The emotion is so real, and I feel honoured to be let in on that sort of thing. So that sort of idea of like respect and trust, it feels amazing, and I feel complete. That's it, really. I just feel complete as a result. So the beast provides me the shared experience and knowledge of these states and these ways to how to be happy with other people or being on your own, just experiencing these sort of amazing moments of pure bliss. And it fulfills my need because I feel now being with the beast, the world is so different and the world is so much brighter and I can't believe how my life was before this. I'm going to do day 10. See what we've got. So, the question is, someone broke into the place where you hid the beast. What happened to them? Oh. I'm going down to go see the beast. And I open the door, and I just see this person stood there, not moving, just pure horror on their face. Like, they have just been, like, frightened really badly, but have not moved. And I discover through quickly talking to the beast that this person came in, was a maintenance person, checking on the boiler, and the beast did something telepathically. Currently, this person is just stood there, not moving, almost frozen in this sort of horror state. And the beast claims that it was self-defense. But I guess this could be where I not have doubt in the beast, but the only word I have to go on is the beast's sort of, the beast's sort of emotional link. And the link describes the scene happening of this person coming into the room to check on, oh, it's broken. Ah... I think it should be the boiler maintenance of it, even though it's broken. I like the idea that broken in the sense of allowed to. I don't know. I, I like the idea that they just got in there when I wasn't expecting it. But the emotional link is telling me something. It's telling me it's one-sided. And 
I don't know if it's the whole truth. And as a result, what I had to do, I had to physically force this person to move. I mean, like, they were almost stiff, but when I started moving them away from the beast's aura, they started to be a little bit easier. And as soon as I got them out of the room and shut the door, they came to their senses. They don't remember what happened. They apologised to me. It was said there was supposed to be a fix, but I guess I make up some sort of lie saying that everything's fine. I just found them look like they'd fainted, and I, you know, brought them out and fresh air did them some good. And they thanked me and they said, "Well, if there's any more problems, let them know." And they went on their way. I think this could be frightening in a way that. This is the first time I've ever seen the beast do something like this. Be able to sort of take control and manipulate emotions to such a degree, almost freezing someone in place. But also, I've had to lie for the beast. So I guess we're closer than ever now. Yeah, a bit worrying actually. gave you a gift. What is it? I think through our conversations and through experiences, certainly after day three where we had the takeaway, I like to think that the beast has got a really good idea, like knows me quite well in terms of what I like. I think I get home one day and the beast is in my flat, in my room, and the beast has got a box and it's like a cake. The beast tells me that it's had a thought about, you know, things that are going on and wanted to give me this. And it knew my likes about different kinds of foods and stuff like that. So it went out of its way to go get this cake, which I've never tried before. It's a bit like a moon cake. It's small. On the outside, it looks a little bit like pork pie, but it's like sweet pastry. When I bite into it, it tastes of something indescribable. It's a really lovely gift. It's a new experience. And that's the thing. The beast wants to create a new experience with me. I had thought that this was sort of out of context. Like, why would the beast give me a gift right now? I think this has literally just happened maybe a day or so after the incident with the person that discovered the beast. And... We've not heard anything from that person. They just left. It's been really tight on my mind. I like the idea that the beast has, not as a peace offering, what's the word? Sort of buying me off slightly. I think the beast knows I'm shocked by what happened to this person. And the emotional link, it's getting very blurred and I think I'm struggling right now. If I was in a relationship with something like this and it takes a person out and then tries to make it up to me with some sort of cake but using my memories to compile it, it could be either way, couldn't it? It could be 
could be seen as a good thing because like Beast is taking care of me, he's really thinking about my needs, no gift, that's really nice. Or it could be seen as really, really creepy. There's definite alarm bells now. It's gonna get worse before it gets better. Okay, so day 12's question is... Someone around you knows or knew about you having sex with the beast. Why aren't they talking about it? Well, I think the clue is in the second part of that question. Why aren't they talking about it? Because I think the beast sorted it out, let's be honest. <laughs> Alarm bells are ringing off now, so... Boiler maintenance person. They discovered this thing downstairs. And, yeah. So, I think, yeah, the boiler maintenance person from before, on day 10, I think what happened was that incident happened, and then I ran into them today whilst I was out. They just said thank you again for helping them. I can't believe they fainted, but they were being really sweet and nice about it, but there's something about the way they're talking about the incident they don't remember exactly what happened, but they can't put their finger on it, and they're not... It's like that thing where you're like, hmm, oh, I've forgotten, it doesn't matter. It was very awkward from my point of view, because I thought they may remember, but it became clear that they didn't. They just said thanks again for helping, and I feel really guilty as a result. And I don't know what to do. And it's pressing on my mind this whole thing with what happened yesterday how the beast controls things, how the beast manipulates stuff. And it's worrying, really worrying. All right, let's do day 13. I'm lucky for some. So, the beast is sick. Are you still having sex with it? What did you have to change in the way you do it? Um, well, no, because it's not in the mood for it. So when I go in to see it, it's sort of all our communications are tinted with like a certain greyness. Like, and there's not that emotional connection. So instantly I'm put off by that anyway. Yeah, like in day eight. I talked about, like, how the longest I've ever been away from the beast is, like, a long weekend away. And having that connection gives me pure happiness. But if I'm aware that that sort of pure happiness isn't there, or it's sort of a grey tinge to the uh, proceedings, I guess, there's a mixture of two elements here. Like, I wouldn't have sex with the beast when the beast is ill because, one, the connection isn't there or it's lessened slightly and I think the beast warns me that it's unpredictable when it has relations when it's ill and the second part of it is that I don't want to get ill selfish as it sounds like I don't know why it's ill just now and I don't know what it could mean for me but I think the sort of illness wraps itself up fairly quickly, wraps up within a few days. Maybe less than that, maybe like a couple of days, so 
The answer is no, I'm not having sex with the beast still, because the beast is sick. All the telepathic communications we have, there's sort of a grey tinge to it, and the, it's not as vibrant as it normally is. So it's clear the beast is focusing elsewhere. It becomes clear that the beast has never had sex when ill. It doesn't know what would happen, and I can't tell if this is a disease that could affect me in some way. It's probably better not to mess with it. Day 14. So today's question is, how did your body react after the first intercourse with the beast? And how does it react now? So on day four, I talked about there being sort of a slow build-up, like a fire. Well, I guess, you know, it's if you're too close to a fire, you just get really sweaty and hot. And with the danger of having burns from the arms, how does it react now? I don't think you'd get used to it. That sort of sudden heat, the build-up... I think you'd still sweat, and I think you'd still get burns. I don't think anything would have changed. So yeah, so how did your body react to the first intercourse with the beast? My body reacted, like I said before, about the sort of slow fire building up. My body just gets very sweaty, like as if you've been too close to a fire. And I get very, very warm and hot, almost unbearably so, with the risk of getting burns on my skin, on my arms, on my shoulders. How does it react now? Nothing's changed. My body still reacts in the same way because realistically it's only been a short time. Regardless of how much intercourse I have with this creature, I think it'd react the same. Yeah, I guess I've just got used to that just being a side effect of how my body is, in a sense, incompatible with the beast. So day 15, we've got... Your friend insists on you introducing them to your new special friend. What do you say? I could talk about Ashley again. Yeah, it's Ashley who's asked about it. We're still friends, despite sort of growing apart and having that sort of relationship briefly at the beginning. Ashley's noticed that I'm happier and almost glowing. You know how people would say that sort of like, oh, you're positively glowing. You must have met someone. And I think in that sort of moment... I paused a little too soon before saying no, and now they're really curious. Ashley's been really nice about it, asking questions about where did we meet, what are they like. Ashley is happy for me, but they would love to meet this person. I... I'm going to say no. Just because of um, knowing what the beast does to people that the beast doesn't like. So I guess I've just been like, oh, you know, this person's out of the country just now. Uh, it's, a, it's a long distance thing. But you'll meet them soon. 
you know, it's not around just now. So I said I'd try and fob it off as much as I can, but with no intention of ever, ever introducing Ashley to the beast. So despite being friends with Ashley, still, Ashley makes this random comment about how I'm looking so much better and clearly, you know, I must have met someone, sort of a throwaway comment, and I don't deny it quick enough. So Ashley's very curious, whilst being happy for me, and insists on meeting this person as soon as possible. And I sort of fob it off saying, oh, it's it's a long distance thing and they're away just now and I wouldn't, you know, it's early stages. I'll introduce you at some point, Ashley. But in the back of my head, I'm just thinking so much about what happened to the boiler maintenance person and what could happen to people the beast doesn't like. Okay, day 16. Today's question is... What's the most dangerous part of having sex with the beast? I've had this question, haven't I? It's been set on fire. We kind of had this question, I think. So, day 16, what's the most dangerous part of having sex with the beast? On day 4, I talked about it. It's dangerous to me in the sense of the intense heat that builds up. It actually goes into physical heat, and it sort of burns the top of my shoulders. So, the most dangerous part of having sex with the beast is the chance of being burnt alive from the intense heat from the skin contact. That's it, really. Okay, day 17. What are the marks on your body after having sex with the beast? And how do you hide them? The burn marks on my shoulders, they're quite like sort of repetitive, so it's all the way up and down, sort of the tops of my shoulders down to sort of almost like the elbows. I guess I could have like a couple on my back as well, like sort of the heat. Sometimes you hear about like people scratching really deep into people's backs. I like the idea it's more sort of weird almost hand-shaped marks, but they're not hands. I think, I don't know if the beast has hands per se. I would say maybe even recently having a mark around my neck, not strangling, like a hold onto the neck. Now, how do I hide it? Well, I'm guessing I start off with wearing longer sleeves, or maybe a few wraps around the shoulders. And then I guess it gets to the point where I'm having to wear like a real... Or like a high neck shirt, or a high necker, or what they called. It's like a high neck sweater, isn't it? There's a word for them. So I've talked about it before. I've had burn marks on my shoulders, and now they're sort of going all the way down my arms to almost the elbow level. I'm starting to get almost like hand or arm prints of the beast on my back as well. Again, from the burning sensation, and now I have one sort of on the side of my neck and the way I hide them I started off with having just like weird wraps around my shoulders underneath my t-shirts perhaps then upgrading I guess to long sleeves and then now I'm wearing this sort of turtleneck that's what it's called it's called a turtleneck uh, a high uh, turtleneck sweater to hide 
the marks on my neck. Day 18. How can you tell that the beast perceives your presence? I think the beast can sense me when I come home through sort of my emotional states, like coming through the door and stuff like that. So I think that's how it does that. It can sense me emotionally, and I know this because it will reach out to me telepathically. And then when I see the beast in person, it's through all the eyes it has on its head. Day 19. Oh, so few cards left. What secretions, brackets, or other things, close brackets, you have to clean up after every coupling with the beast? That's really badly phrased. Hang on. So what secretions you have to... I guess in what are the secretions or other things you have to clean up after every coupling with the beast? Why do I have to clean it up? Why can't the beast clean it up? Um, none. Fuck it. I'm going to say none. I think the only thing I'd have to clean up after we've had a coupling, although I've never called it that in the whole diary, after every coupling, I'm guessing I've had to sort of take care of any possible burns I've got. So just cleaning up that, I guess. So cleaning up my own injuries. So I'm guessing I'd wash myself in cold water and making sure like the area is clean, uh, not putting lotion on it because you're not supposed to do that. Oh, you can cover in cling film. Oh, that's something I knew. Yeah, so then I'd wrap or I'd um, put a layer of cling film over the burns on the top of my uh, shoulders all the way around the arms and then treat any pain with ibuprofen. So there's no secretions, as I just said. It's just more looking after my injuries I get from each coupling. So the burns I was talking about before. I go and have a shower for about 20 minutes, you know, cold or lukewarm water, just over the tops of my shoulders, and then put the cling film as a sort of wrap around the top half of myself, not tight, and then have some ibuprofen to numb the pain, or any pain I get. And I'm guessing it gets more and more severe as each coupling goes along. Day 20 is the final card before the closure card. So I'll see what we get. You ready? How did your daily schedule change since the beast appeared in your life? I think, I mean, judging what I've said over the last couple of days, I'm definitely more addicted to its presence. The whole telepathy, emotional connection we have, it's got stronger and stronger and stronger, and that sort of extreme emotionness has sort of really impacted on me. I'm more aware that I believe I'm n not truly happy and I want to keep tasting more and more of it. I think as well, judging about the amount of burns and injuries I seem to be getting, which is not, again, alarm bells for me in real life, I guess. The daily schedule, I guess because I'm wrapped up more, more clothing around the top area where the burns are. I think I'm more withdrawn secretive i guess ashley asking me about my new friend and the whole incidents with the boiler maintenance person i'm very sort of withdrawn this is sort of it's me and the beast i don't want anyone else involved in it 
So I guess I am more secretive, more withdrawn. Today's the day I've got the closure card. Day 21. All it says on the card is, choose one. The beast leaves, the beast dies, I kill the beast, I leave the beast. Wow. Um, I mean, looking back over the last couple of entries, and I'd like to think I'm a stronger person and say I'd leave, but I don't think I would. I think I've become too addicted to its presence. I think, I think, I wouldn't kill the beast. I don't think that's, I don't think that's right. And as much as I feel I would leave the beast, judging by what I've said in the previous couple of entries, being addicted to his presence, having that emotional telepathic response, I think I wouldn't. I think I've become dependent on it. So I think, and the two remaining, the beast leaves or the beast dies. I think it's more traumatic if the beast just leaves. I get home from work and I quickly like put away my bag and stuff and then rush downstairs. I open the door and the beast isn't there. I look everywhere in that room. There's no sign of forced entry, there's no evidence that anyone else has been there. The beast is gone. The only thing I do find is a book. And in the book, there are drawings, there's like pen drawings. And it's drawings of me. There's 21 drawings in total, and as I flip through them, slowly taking in all the detail, I can see a change in the face. There's sort of an innocence in the first couple of pictures, which slowly sort of dies. It's such so subtle, the changes, I can't... You can't tell when it's happened, and then in the final picture, I don't even recognize it, but I know it's of me. And I realize that maybe the beast has got bored of me, or the beast knows that it's presence. The beast's relationships, I guess, or the beast's impact on other people's lives changes them and I, it doesn't the beast doesn't know if it's for the better or for the worst maybe the beast just goes from relationship to relationship trying to find someone that doesn't abuse it or can withstand its presence and I saw a part of its real self. Maybe the way it acted with the boiler maintenance person was just a act of defense, of protecting
protecting itself, but I saw it as an attack of aggression. I, oh god, I don't know. Um, the book, the drawings are sort of tinged with almost sadness, and I am at a loss of what to do. So I take the book upstairs, back to my flat, break it apart. It's only like a notebook or something, and I pull out all the pictures, and I look at each one and I rip them up and burn them and I just I just sit there at a loss of what to do without the beast that's it I guess. <laughs> wow, that was intense. It's interesting how this sort of thing takes over your life and you think about it. I like the idea of when I was doing it day by day that kind of made it interesting. It was a good experience I think overall. I'm not so sure about the erotic element <laughs> but it's an interesting way of storytelling. Wow. The What Am I Rolling podcast was created, recorded, and edited by me, Fiona Howard. This episode's player was Fiona Howard. This episode's RPG was The Beast, written by Alexandra Sontoska and Camille Wegshinovich, published by Naked Female Giant. You can find out more about Naked Female Giant's other games on their website. That's nakedfemalegiant.pl and you can purchase your own copy of The Beast through Drive-Thru RPG. The theme music was 8-Bit March by Twin Musicon of twinmusicon.org, licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 license. If you want to find out more about the podcast, check out the website. That's www.wairpodcast.com. Fancy getting in touch? Email the podcast at whatamirollingpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at wair underscore podcast for latest news on upcoming episodes. And remember, adventurers need not apply. <laughs>